Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. All right, Matthew 5, 5 this morning. If you've got your copy of the Bible, Matthew 5, 5. Well, we've been going through in the past several weeks a lot about the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes really cause us to look back upon our being blessed. And thinking about things in such a precise, small, intentional way helps you and I look to attributes that should be a portion of our lives. These should be parts of who we are. So this morning we have several synonyms of gentle. We have meekness. We have humble. So there are several synonyms that you could throw in there and use. So don't let gentle trip you up. If you love the word meek or you love the word humble, those can be used interchangeably. So just just know that. So what is gentleness, and how do you and I attain gentleness? Gentleness is acting in a manner that is gentle, mild, or even tempered. Humble and meek. We have heard already that it's part of the fruits of the Spirit, meaning the things that should be present within our lives if we are maturing and growing in faith as we ought to. These fruits should be apparent in our lives. So Paul tells his readers... Even in, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says that he talks about gentleness, the gentleness of Christ coupled with his meekness, suggesting that, you know, the yielding of that to a judge who, instead of demanding the exact penalty required by strict justice, gives way to circumstances which call for mercy. So mercy, mercy's wrapped in that too. So gentleness, meekness, humble mercy. All of those things are indicative of that relationship. So Matthew 5, 5, if you got your copy of God's Word, it says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the gentle. How many of you know it's when you have interactions with others, you get a lot farther when you treat them with kindness? when you're humble, when you listen before you speak. A lot of times, many believers will get very frustrated when they're talking to friends or family about their faith because they're doing all the talking, right? When you and I do all the talking, we don't do a lot of listening. And what I've found is that those that come from different beliefs, those that come from different backgrounds, those that come from an area of misunderstanding, a lot of times if you listen... And you really dig into it, you can hear what they're saying. So being gentle, a lot of times is humble, and that meekness, don't understand, you know, misunderstand all of this to say that that means we should seem weak. Because I believe that the Lord illustrated that time and again when He found people of need and met them where they were. That wasn't a weakness, that was so they might be strong in Him. 
2 Corinthians 13 says this, starting at verse 7. It says, Now we pray to God that you do no wrong, not that we ourselves may appear approved, but that you may do what is right, even though we may appear unapproved. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This we also pray for, that you may be made complete. For this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when, I, when present I need not use severity, in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and not tearing down. If we think of gentleness, gentleness is all about building one another up, right? Building one another up. Helping one another along the way. One of the words we use a lot of times in the church world is accountability, right? Keeping someone else accountable, working within our friend groups, praying with people, but also telling them the truth and love. That gentleness, that gentle spirit. One of the examples I saw in the Word of God is as we look at what Jesus did as he encountered the woman at the well. Now, Jesus encountered a woman at the well that, that honestly, I guess from the way that the law was or the way that culture was or the way that people were, they didn't have a lot of associations with one another. Normally, a, a Jewish man would have not spoken to her. Normally, he would not have been around her. It was a time of day to which not normally would, would he have come. So she came at a time when others weren't there to gather their water, but we also think back to different examples in our own life. Jesus deals with this woman at the well. What do we do and how do we offer people that are in spiritual need the help that they need? Well, the water test. Many of you know what the water test is. Uh, the water test is where a jeweler gives, as one of their surest tests for diamonds, the water test. He says... An imitation diamond is never so brilliant as a genuine stone if your eye's not experienced enough to tell the difference. A simple test is there to place the stone underwater. The imitation diamond is practically extinguished, while a genuine diamond sparkles even under the water and is distinctly visible. If a genuine stone can be placed beside an imitation one underwater, the contrast will be apparent even to the least experienced eye. What do we do for those that are in greatest spiritual need? Turn with me over to John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. This illustration comes to life. John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. In John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. It illustrates this relationship as Jesus is traveling. It says this here in verse 7. It says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman being, uh, being, said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it saying to says this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where will you get that living water? 
You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the will and drank of it himself and the sons that he had and the cattle that he had. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So this, this young lady, this woman, this Samaritan woman, is having this interaction with a man that she never expected to see there, much less a Jewish person associating with her at that time of day, which she came at an odd time of day so that she didn't have to bring around others. It says this in verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all this way here to draw. And he said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for our salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will follow the Father, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now is that remarkable? Is that demonstrating of the gentleness of Christ who knew already who this woman was? He knew the heart of this woman. He knew why she was there during that time of day. He knew where she came from, what she had been through, that she had had five husbands, and that the one that was with her right now wasn't her husband. She knew all of these things. I mean, he knew all these things about her. And what did he do still? He offered her water, living water. He saw that she was in need, not of the physical, not of the water that was in the well, but she was in need of the water that springs forth from an almighty loving father. See, there was a gentleness behind that because it came up later in the conversation just where she came from and what she was doing there. But as he was asking for water, he was providing a water of a different kind. And I love what the passage says there. This is a water that does what? Never runs dry. Never runs dry. And there's times in our lives where we are to demonstrate that same meekness, gentleness, humility in the way that we encounter others as well. How many of you remember years ago that that it was very very much one of those things that was accepted that you could like scare somebody into knowing Jesus. 
It was the hellfire brimstone, which, which there's nothing wrong with it if it's done in the right way. But what worked then doesn't always work now. So in going up to someone of, someone of a different belief or a different background, you have to take a different approach. You have to come in humility and listen and bring in the Word of God. You have to listen. So what Jesus was doing and demonstrating to me here is this. He was demonstrating how we ought to treat one another, right? How we ought to love one another. He didn't first come out with, okay, wait, don't give me any water. Do you have anybody else around your town that can come bring me some water? Because there's got to be somebody better than you, right? He didn't say, well, you know what? You are just deplorable. You need to go back home and send somebody better. He said, I'm going to give you water. I'm going to tell you about yourself. Now you go tell the world just what's happened at this well that's significant in the Jewish world, but, but not significant overall. So it led me to believe this, is how we treat one another demonstrates how much we value how God loved us first. How we treat one another calls back in our life to just how the Lord has treated us. Because we demonstrate that, right? Like how many people in our lives will never see Jesus standing walking, but they will see us. And we'll say, if that's a Christian believer, I want to believe like that. If that's what they do when they are hard-pressed on every side, I want to be like that. Or that person loves me and treats me with a certain respect when nobody else will. What's different about their life? They go and pray when nobody else does. They, they don't worry as much as everybody else because they seem to have a truth, a gentleness, a quietness about them. So for us, the love of Christ should compel us to live differently than the world around us. Y'all, there's no need for you and I to fit in, right? There's no need for us to be just like everyone else. There's no need for us to try to live like the world. In fact, we are to live like Christ even though we're in this world. Scripture tells us over and over again how we ought to treat one another. But I look at the disciples that followed Jesus around, and they were always about the business, right? We need to go over here. You need to be over here. You don't need to talk to that person. You don't need to stop for that person. You need to keep going. You need to do this. You need to do that. And Jesus did what? He stopped. He talked. He met people where they were. When they grabbed onto his clothing, he knew it, right? He took the time to love on folks, tax collectors, and people who during that time would have been the people that you and I kind of made our way around and didn't talk to. He stopped and gave them the time that they needed. The love of Christ should compel us to live differently than the world around us. See, I'm reminded that such a great price was paid on our behalf. And if that wasn't enough, we are fortunate to have many accounts from the life of Jesus to demonstrate his compassion for those he encountered. His compassion. And when the Holy Spirit indwells in us, we have to be reminded that we are not our own. That we've been bought with a price. So we need to slow down, right? We need to look around. We need to listen. We need to not already have something in our mind already written out that we're going to say. But listen to somebody. 
because we never truly know what they've walked through, what they've been through. We might know what we believe or we've stitched together, but I know that there are many out there that are in need of the love of God and need us to demonstrate that gentleness, that humility, that kindness in our lives that they might be open to what God's trying to say to them, what, dry, what God's trying to do in their lives. We look at the cross and it's, it's often said that it's God's sign of love. In this illustration it says there had to be a cross some meaningful dramatization of God's will and way for persons in this world. Without the cross, there would be no gospel. It is understandable why the cross was a stumbling block to the Jews and foolish to the Greeks. Neither had a gospel, no recent word from God, no good news following their dark Fridays. I'm also reminded back to the passage in Galatians 2. If you want to turn there, Galatians 2.20 in Galatians 2.20, it reminds me of my purpose. And I know for many of us, we need to be reminded, right? How many of you need reminders? We need to be reminded, right? Oftentimes we look at Scripture and like, oh, I forgot about that. Or, or maybe I haven't done that as well. Or, or maybe I should be more about my faith and sharing my faith than I do. Or maybe I need to stop doing some things in my life. But it says here in Galatians 2.20, it says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. How many of you live in that crucified life? You live in a manner that's distinctly different than the world around you. You live in such a way that it demonstrates the gentleness of God to a world that needs to hear it the most. Gentleness does not mean in that sense that we are to just take a back corner. Gentleness means that you and I are to be on the forefront of all the discussions that tell the good news and demonstrate the gospel. So how we demonstrate that gentleness impacts others' receptiveness to the gospel message, doesn't it? How you and I treat one another matters, right? We try to demonstrate that to our kids early on, right? How you treat another person matters. How we love others matters. How we pray and demonstrate that matters. How we tell our kids to do that. How we tell others to do that. How we demonstrate that matters. I think not one of us who are believers in Christ, true believers in Christ, desire to be a stumbling block to other people, do we? How many of you start out your day and say, I want to just be a stumbling block to somebody today? We usually say what, God? In spite of me, God, use me today. God, in spite of my shortcomings, God, do your very best. In spite of me, God, do something significant and put somebody in my path that I might love like you love me. We must live with intentionality and gentleness. Meaning that we've got to think about how we treat others, what we say, and how we live in this life. Philippians 4, 5 says this, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. How many of you this morning believe that the Lord is near? Amen? 
The Lord is near. And I read and I see all of these signs that are going on in the world. And, and it's been said to me throughout my lifetime and even before me that the Lord is near. The time of the Lord is near. His coming is near. Then we should be ambassadors of His faith that He wants us to demonstrate to the world, right? We should be those that, that live according to a higher calling. That means our actions and our words and our dealings and our businesses and our schoolwork and everything that we do ought to be about one thing and one thing alone. And that is living for Him and demonstrating the gospel. But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22 it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So if you and I say we believe in Jesus Christ... Yet don't demonstrate that we believe in Jesus Christ. Yet don't live like Jesus in this world. Yet treat everybody else as they're a bother to us instead of a, a place where we can pour forth what God is doing in our life. Then what are we doing? So a Christian has a higher calling. Ephesians 4 reminds us of that calling, doesn't it? Ephesians 4 reminds us of our calling as individuals, but also our calling as a body. Because you and I know that when we individually live for Christ and do our best in Christ and do what we've been called to do, then we come together and every one of us are different, right? Every one of us are distinctly different with different gifts and abilities, but when we come together, guess what? It sounds like a great big harmonious orchestra. Everything, every note, everything that comes through is a beautiful chorus to the world that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. It's greater than just one of us. It's a whole room full of us. How many of you have ever heard music and you've heard one person playing music? That one person might play music very well, but then you add everything else in, right? You add all the instruments in. You add all the things that you said, I didn't even know it needed drums. I didn't even know it needed a fiddle. I didn't even know it needed all those things. And you add all those elements in, and you put them together, and they make something that makes your eyes close, right? And you just lean back because of the sound that envelops everything. The Lord needs all of us to work together. And one of those ways is through this gentle attitude that we ought to have. But we must testify him of Him in all that we do. For you and I are not our own. We've been bought with a price. So we must glorify God in all that we do. And furthermore, we do not need to give the devil a foothold in any portion of our lives. Because when we give the devil a foothold, what happens? He doesn't just go, I'm happy with that, right? He goes, I've got an entrance into their lives and I'm going to create chaos. See, some of the ways that we do these things as believers, because we are to reflect God's gentleness in the way that we deal with people. How many of you understand gentleness when we are trying to help someone that is gone off path with God? 
Someone that is living in this world, they know better, they should do better. How do we correct someone? How do we bring that to them? How do we love them? How do we build that relationship? How do we speak the truth in love? How do we do those things? In gentleness, we are to help correct the wayward, those who've gone off path with him. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 says this, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. You and I are just to demonstrate and to bring the word of God before someone else that might be in need in this world, and you and I can't change an individual, can we? How many of you know that? You and I can't change another person. We can present the truth, but God does the change in the hearts and minds of everyone else. When we follow through with our part, God says, okay, I see what you've done. Let me do an even greater work in that person's life. So there's times to where we're bringing in that relationship. We're bringing in that love, that gentleness, humility, and all of that. But it's just preparing the groundwork for what God's going to do. What about in reasoning with unbelievers, bringing gentleness in that way? It says, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks of you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. Be ready to make a defense. How many of you know that the word of the Lord, when things come up against it, false truths, false teachings, false things, when it stands up against the word of the Lord, what happens every time? It falls, right? Nothing can stand against the word of the Lord because when truth is held up to that which is not truth, every single time truth shines through everything. Truth triumphs over all. We must understand this in this way. What about in nurturing new believers, it, being gentle about that? 1 Thessalonians 2.7 says, But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own child. So we must be with new Christians. What about in showing consideration to all? And helping everyone, it says this in Scripture. It says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as Christ has also forgiven you. Philippians 4.5, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. So it begins to help us to ask some difficult questions. How many of you love difficult questions? Anybody? Anybody love difficult questions that make you squirm around a little bit? When you ask the questions that needs to be asked of your own self, we had a, we had a great demonstration of that this morning in Sunday school. We read a, a set of passages and we said, let's don't think of who's not here. Let's don't think of who they might apply to. Let's think of us being who it applies to. So what are some places within your spiritual walk that needs repentance today? In order that you and I might be made gentle 
as part of our testimony of faith. If you and I have been forgiven much, we need to forgive others. If we've been loved much, we need to love others. If we have been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for, we need to demonstrate that same kind of prayer life for others. If others have built relationships with us and seemingly can tell us the truth in love, then how do we demonstrate that? We build relationships with others in our lives so that we might tell them the truth in love. So that Christ might get into their lives. Gentleness doesn't mean weakness. Gentleness means that we find our strength in Jesus Christ alone. And that's what should speak forth of us. So what are some places within our walk that needs repenting of today? And then lastly, as we think of this, are we concerned with the spiritual hearts and minds of others as we should be? Are we concerned with those around us and the spiritual nature of their need more than we ever should be? You know, there's times when we encounter people in our community, we encounter people at our work and our school that are very abrasive in how they act, right? But what are they in need of the most? The love of Jesus Christ. Who are they talking to? Me and you. So what can we do? How can we love them? How can we demonstrate that love? How can we see the heart that they might have, the depravity of faith that they might not have in their life, and how can we bring that to them? It might look like this. It might look like you and I helping someone that can't help us back. You know, when when Katrina hit, I was in Jackson, Mississippi, and... We opened one of those humanitarian shelters because we didn't have all the credentials to do the specific thing that needed to be done in our gym. And so we had many different people who had fled New Orleans that had stayed at the gym that we had. Mind you, we didn't have electricity like everybody else. We didn't have a lot of things. But what we did have is a gas stove. And we had the ability to house folks that that would have otherwise just been driving and driving and driving because you couldn't find gas, you couldn't find all those things as well. And I remember them asking how much they owed us, how much they could pay us back for what we had done, how much they could you know, give us, and why would we even do that? And it's because we told them, because Christ loved us, we were sent to love them. And so we were given the opportunity to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ over a plate of spaghetti. Which to you and I might say, well, a plate of spaghetti, that's not much. But to someone who's hungry and in need, it's a lot. Maybe, maybe a place to take a shower might not be much for you and I. But to someone who's in need, it's a whole lot. Maybe just love and care and prayer and Spending time, giving them the time of day is what demonstrates to them. But I'm telling you what, we had an opportunity to pray for those individuals before they left and went to their next destination. And I, I know it left an impression on them because it left an impression on me. Because what they said they will do is they're going to tell somebody else of how this church group, this people, treated them when they didn't know them and didn't have any connection to them, they loved them and took care of them without question, without asking. How many of us 
need to have that same kind of spiritual heart and mind when it comes to others as we should be. Well, this morning, as we think about the ending of this service, I want you to know that the altar is open as always. That you can come to the Lord and say, God, I need to do better. God, I need to live better. God, I need to demonstrate your love to others more. Which means I might have to sacrifice things in my life so that I know your word and its teachings. So that I say my plans are not as important as God's plans. So that I can say, you know what, God, you have forgiven me a lot. So God, I need to forgive others a lot too. And Father God, when someone rubs me the wrong way, I need to have compassion. I need to see past that. I need to help them understand that I care and that I love them when I've been unlovable and God's cared for me. And God took the time for me. I need to take the time for others. So it's about getting the gospel to the hearts and minds of those surrounding us. Not that they might remember me and you because you and I are not here for long. But that they remember Christ. And they know that Christ took time for them. And so in this way, in connecting the scriptures, we are offering them some living water, right? The world around us is thirsty. If you look at the news, you see how bad things yeah, how bad things are, but how bad things are going or how bad they can get. But the world needs you and I to come to where they are to love them and to demonstrate that love for them when they don't feel like they are worthy of that love. Because that's what happened for me and for you. That at our, at our very worst, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so in bringing them that water and bringing them that good news, we're demonstrating that same love to them as well. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.